This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Tonight is the night. The first televised debate of the Ontario election campaign goes live. Everyone agrees it is a crucial event, and according to the conventional wisdom, it is Doug Ford's to lose. That's because he's the front runner right now, and so far, other than a few hiccups, he's run a pretty disciplined campaign, defying the image of being a hothead. Kathleen Wynne and Andrea Horvath will be trying to get under his skin, and they will be hammering the notion that his real agenda is all about cuts and supporting the rich. And this weekend, the PCs finally disavowed the social conservative Tanya Granik-Allen because of a video uh, in which she was making homophobic remarks. Now, remember, it was her supporters who put Doug Ford over the top in the leadership, and her views were not exactly a secret. So this is something that the other two parties will no doubt be underlining. And what about all those social conservatives in the party? Where do they go now? Meantime, we're starting to see some movement from the NDP. I think Andrea Horvath has to inspire undecided voters or liberals who think this government's time is up. The latest poll shows the NDP has moved up into a solid second place. And the PCs are still in the lead, but with a narrowed margin. The numbers to call, what do you think? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. That new poll was from Polara. And let us start with the author of the new poll. We've got Craig Warden, president of Polara Strategic Insights. Hi, Craig. Hello, Libby. Thank you for having us on. Thank you for joining us. So uh, were you surprised by these findings? Um, no, we weren't surprised. We've been sort of tracking this, this election uh, over the past couple months, and these numbers are consistent, although they do represent uh, quite a sort of solidification of the PC vote and a sort of continuation of the NDP growth at the expense of the Liberals. Okay, uh, so um, one of the things I found very interesting was that you say that the Liberals still have room to fall and the NDP have a lot of room to grow. Um, explain that. That's right. Uh, well, one of the things we see, first of all, I would say the Ford PC vote looks to be quite solid. These are very enthusiastic, very certain uh, voters uh, behind that banner. Um, when we look at wins voters and we ask them why they're voting liberal, um, they break roughly half and half saying that they're anti-Ford or voting for Kathleen Wynne to be premier as, the, as their driving, uh, driving reason behind their vote. But when we ask them, well, what happens if Andrea Horvath looked like she would be the one to stop Ford? And this is asked of those who are the sort of anti-Ford voters in the liberal camp. 78% of them said they're likely to switch 
when we do the same sort of analysis on Horvast and the NDP, um, we find that they've got a bit more of a mixed bag. They, you know, their support roughly splits out a third, a third, a third, uh, who are saying they're pro Horvath or they're anti-Ford or they're anti-Win, um, and they're less likely to say that they'll switch to Win to stop Ford. So uh, it's just it's one of the factors that we see in the poll that continue to speak to this sort of um, weakness in the in the Win Liberal vote right now. Uh, so things could switch over to the NDP for them and take them down even further. Now, uh, does that 40% for the PCs, does that put them in majority territory? Did you do a seat count? You know, I really feel strongly that this is too early in the game to be doing seat projections. 40 is a good number to uh, sort of put you in, in sort of you know, on on the right track to go towards a majority, but at, the, at this point in the game, it's it's too early to sort of play around with writing projections. I think. Okay, uh, and um, again, um, the the PC uh, support actually has come down a bit. Uh, was there any reason for that that you found? Um, no. No, uh, you know, we, we think it's still quite steady, this, the, these numbers, from what we've seen uh, just over the past few months. And I think one of the, the most telling, most positive results for this is when you look at their numbers across the various uh, regional and demographic buckets, where they, they really are leading in most of these, these areas. And regionally, you know, the seats are based on, on geography. And uh, there you can see that the PCs are leading in every region of the province except for Hamilton, Niagara, and the north. Uh, and even in the north, they're tied with the NDP for support. So uh, some very positive numbers for the Doug uh, Ford PCs. One of the things that Doug Ford keeps saying, and I'm, I don't think he's wrong, is that that he often appeals to people who traditionally vote NDP. Uh, could that throw a wrench into any of this? It does. He's not your traditional um, conservative leader. I would say that he has built a coalition between the Ford Nation voters, who are very pro uh, his message, and then the anti-win voters. Um, and in terms of his Ford Nation voters, I mean, he, he does appeal um, to immigrants and first and second generation Canadians. He's winning the vote in those segments right now. Um, he's tied with the NDP amongst women. We expect a conservative leader to be winning amongst men, and he is, uh, but he is tied with the NDP uh, amongst women. So um, he's winning in a lot of categories that you don't necessarily see a conservative uh, leader winning in at the early part of a campaign. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this, um, the, he's sort of seen, or a lot of people who say that I, I, can't uh, deal with the idea of Ford, uh, you know, as a, as a hothead or um, so would you say that as long as he sort of stays steady, he's, uh, he's good to go? <laughs> well, I, I do think they're running a, a great campaign and that they should continue to sort of continue down the same track that they are right now. I mean, they're, they're exhibiting a lot of uh, positive energy, a lot of positive messages. They're, they're acting strongly and decisively, which is key to his his brand, which is a, that of a, a strong leader, and he leads the other candidates on that. Um, so when they acted quite uh, strongly and quickly and decisively on the Tanya Granick allen affair over the weekend, that, that 
that's what they needed to do. To waffle on these sort of decisions would eat away at his brand, so they're doing the right things. I'd like to get into that a little bit, because um, there were, uh, you know, there were other more than hints that that's what uh, Tanya Granik Allen believed. Uh, I think there were there were other comments that she made, and uh, the social conservatives. I mean, that's definitely a segment of PC voters, and uh, they were courted. Doug Ford won because that that support went to him on the second ballot. And, you know, this wouldn't be the first time that they've been courted and then dumped. Uh, is, is that a factor? I mean, I'm not sure where else they have to go, but uh, is that something? That, you know, that yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, which is where else do they have to go, I think. Um, so, you know, and I think even the social conservative voters will see what happened there and sort of understand that Ford had had to take the action that he did uh, or risk, you know, some erosion of his vote support over time. He's not going to be able to win just with social conservatives. He's not going to be able to win just with uh, Ford Nation as well. So he, he does need to broaden the coalition out to anti-wind voters uh, who will feel comfortable voting for him. Well, I, I guess the question is, can he win without them, without the social conservatives? You know, um, he may. It depends on how he defines himself through the, the rest of the campaign. Um, it depends on whether or not their issues rise to the fore and, and how big they are within the campaign. Um, but, you know, the good thing for him is that he has many different components to his coalition, and, and that makes for a strong candidacy. Um, one of the things that that's, you know, people always ask is, what's the ballot question? Uh, it kind of seems to yeah. me that, that it really is not about, um, it's, it's not about any issue, really, uh, that probably the ballot question is Kathleen Wynne. You're exactly, you know, it is a very interesting election in that uh, I haven't seen this in a very long time where it's not an issue-based campaign, at least not at this point. Um, it is all about the leaders, and in many ways it's, it's, uh, it's about Ford and Kathleen Wynne. So in large pockets of the electorate are voting based on being anti-Ford or anti-Wynne. And uh, it's really quite something how it's come down to these two personalities. So, uh, you know, when you say that that there is a lot of room for growth for the NDP and Andrea Horvath, uh, how do they come up through the middle if it's really not about Andrea at all? Well, the great thing for them in in these numbers is that Andrea Horvath, um, how she does in terms of impression ratings, uh, in terms of her brand attributes, she does very well in this poll. So, um, first of all, NDP and Andrea Horvath come in second, basically, on everything uh, in terms of vote intent, um, as well as on brand. So, um, I think there's a lot of room for her to grow um, as she goes out, and she's already, you know, quite less known by about 20% than the other two leaders. So, uh, but those who do like her are very positive on her. So as her familiarity grows, so will support for ND, the NDP potentially. And when she's stacked up against Ford, um, she's tied with him for a number of brand entries, such as Best Premier, Right Priorities, uh, Shares My Values, 
fights for me. And she wins on brand attributes like cares about people like me and is honest. Uh, so she uh, has a lot of winning attributes. And as she gets out there and people get more familiar with her, um, she does have an opportunity to increase her vote. And it's going to be largely at the expense of Kathleen Wynne, if she can do it. Okay. And uh, another question for you. Um, how far can the Liberals fall? And, and what in your polling um, convinces you of that? Well, what convinces us of the fact that they do have room to fall is uh, just the, the precariousness of the anti-Ford vote and that those anti-Ford voters who are currently uh, in the win camp, in the win column, um, do seem quite willing to switch to Andrew Horvath by the end of the campaign if it seems like she has the best shot of stopping Ford. Uh, so that's why we think that there's quite a bit uh, of room for her to fall. Um, and we haven't really seen numbers uh, this bad for a leader and party going into elections since uh, the Mul- end of the Mulroney days, really. And by the same token, uh, I would say that the Ford numbers are probably the best that we've seen for a conservative leader in in Ontario since Mike Harris. The numbers are really kind of stacking up very similarly. You know what? I mean, I I have to say I'm not usually brave enough uh, to make predictions, uh, especially not this early. But but I am remembering, and I hate to date myself, I am remembering 1993 and that disaster for the Conservatives. And, um, you know, it's it's starting to look a little reminiscent to me for the Liberals, I I have to say that. Uh, We're going to to, uh, bring in John McAtishan. Hi, John. Hello. So, uh, uh, how, what do you make it of of this? What do you think Doug Ford has to do tonight? Uh, don't screw up. <laughs> Always good advice. <laughs> well, I mean, it's really fascinating. If you go back to the last three provincial campaigns, aside from other elements. Uh, each of the conservative leaders came, or like in each of those three elections, the conservative leader came up with one policy item that the opposition uh, parties were able to twist and take the election guaranteed victory away from them. And in this one, there, you know, Doug's been in the papers every week since he became leader with some major story that would have undone the other leaders, but it doesn't seem to have had any negative impact at all on current uh, fortunes. So the question is, does anything matter? Is this election merely, uh, uh, like for me, I, I, I agree on the comment about Mulroney for the um, comment, but my concern is, is this the Bob Ray uh, repeat? Doesn't matter what the Liberals actually do, she's dead. Um, Craig, do you have a view on that? <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing with, with Bob Ray is that, uh, you know, in 1990, we saw numbers there that are very similar to now in terms of the sort of unrealized potential of the NDP. So there is there is some interesting uh, opportunities for the NDP. At the end of the day, you know, campaigns matter, and you never can know what will happen in a campaign. So the campaign's about to launch, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, were sounding the death knell for Dalton McGinty going into his battles against John Tory, uh, and faith-based funding came up, and uh, against uh, Tim Hudak, and his uh, promise of 130,000 cuts came up. So you never know what can happen to turn an election, um, but at this point, it does not look great. 
Okay. Um, or, or it does, depending on your perspective. Right. I mean, uh, for the liberals, yeah. Okay, Craig, I, I know that uh, you have to go. What would you like to leave us with on this poll? I would just say that at this point, it's interesting how how little issues currently matter. And what will be interesting during this campaign is to see if an, uh, an issue or a scandal or you know a misstep uh, might happen that could change uh, the current dynamics, which seem to be laid out in, in quite quite a firm way, where there's opportunity for the NDP, a really great lead for the PCs, and, and a lot of trouble brewing uh, for the win vote. Okay. Craig Warden, President, Polara Strategic Insights. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And uh, John McEtitian, uh, please hang on. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Let me give the numbers out again because we want to hear from you folks as well. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. What has to happen for you in the debate tonight? Or is your mind already made up? Uh, and uh, do you have an opinion on what happened on the weekend where Tanya Granick-Allen, the woman who basically put Ford over the top, uh, was dropped as a candidate because of homophobic remarks. Um, All of that we want to hear. Right now we're taking a a short break and we'll be back with John McEtitian and with your calls. Back after this. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are looking ahead to tonight's crucial debate. Uh, And uh, we're also looking at the latest poll, which shows the PCs ahead, but by a bit less of a margin. And for the first time, the New Democrats in a very solid second place, the pollster, Polara Research, uh, well, they think that the NDP has lots of room to grow and the Liberals have lots of room to drop. So uh, an interesting interesting set of circumstances. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot could be riding on the debate tonight. You know, there there haven't been many sort of that, quote, knockout moments in recent years, but you never know. So I'm going to give the numbers out again, because we want to hear from you. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I am on the line with John McEtitian of Bradgate Research. He is a conservative strategist and Professor Nelson Wiseman, who is a professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Toronto. Oh, maybe he isn't there. Uh, <laughs> we just lost that one. So we are here with uh, John McEtitian. And John, uh, again, Doug Ford has to not screw up. Uh, but this move sort of shows Andrea Horvath coming up. What do you think she has to do? Well, uh, she needs to keep on flying below the radar. Um, uh, you know, I live in Dundas, Ontario, and uh, there, the the three Hamilton area ridings, hers included, have a ton of stories recently about uh, um, accusations of uh, human rights abuse between the staff and the MPPs, about being uh, um, uh, the allegations are of uh, being counseled to commit fraud. Uh, there's union beefs going on, so. It's actually the and Andrea has done nothing about it, quoting that it's like it's all internal uh, HR issues. So that's not the story you want anybody paying any attention to. And I can guarantee you that with this new survey 
the liberals are going to be looking around and the conservatives will be looking around saying, well, we've totally and completely ignored the NDP. Maybe it's time we uh, see what uh, dirt they have under their rug. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there anything that you think Kathleen Wynne can do? I don't think so. Um, I mean, and having said that, I mean, in a sense of her resurrecting herself or running from her record or, you know, the, the time for a change or renewal with, within the Liberal Party of Ontario is is over. Uh, what she can do is what she I expect her to do tonight. I expect her to be a very powerful performer. I expect her to be, to be the best of the three leaders in terms of performance. Her issue is the lack of... Um, of assets to talk about, but she will try. She will say that she's done a good job and she'll say that she cares more than anybody else and she'll say that the other leaders don't. Uh, The problem is people have come to a conclusion that she can't be trusted now. And, you know, what she, her her best shot of what she needs to do in her campaign is to set a trap and have, you know, basically they're all marching in a parade right now and what the Liberals need to do is open up every manhole cover they can find and pray that uh, Mr. Ford falls into one. Okay, um, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Sebastian in Toronto. Hello, Sebastian. Hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. Just a comment I want to make. Um, we all know we all know that pollsters have been wrong in predicting elections, and the outcomes uh, have come out quite differently than was always reported. But having said that, um, I think we're way. I think it's premature at this point to be actually uh, putting too much weight on these uh, polls. So much still has to happen. My, my belief is that Ford still hasn't been tested. I, today, were just months away from going to the polls. Uh, I still don't know where exactly he is that he stands. All I keep hearing from him is that he wants to defeat Kathleen Wynne. I get that. I get that parties always run to form the government. Absolutely. But I I believe there's a lot more that has to be seen from this leader. And I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to an anti-vote over Wynne or Ford. I really believe that you can see Andrea Horvath resurrect and pull it off. It's, it's happened before. It's happened before. I absolutely agree with you. It's it's yeah. a lot early uh, to uh, call anything out, and you're right. In recent times, uh, a lot of polls have been wrong. Sebastian, thanks for your call. Thank you. Okay, uh, we finally have Professor Wiseman <laughs> on the line. Hello there. Hello, can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Uh, what do you think each of the candidates has to do tonight? Uh, well, they, they have to not lose their cool in some ways. Um, quite frankly, I'm not sure it's going to matter all that much. I think what will count a lot more than the debate will be the clips of the debate that are shown on the news because I don't actually know how many people will watch this debate. It's being broadcast on city TV, uh, but uh, with the fragmented media world, I don't know how many people will see it. However, uh, clips from the debate, I assume, will be shown on newscasts on all the other channels, 
and you're going to have a lot of commentary in the in the media, like uh, the press media and on radio, like shows like this. Shows like so this, would... and uh, I'll uh, just just a program note. I will be at the debate, and uh, uh, you'll be uh, hearing my little synopsis, uh, my report on the debate. Uh, you know, as of first thing in the morning. Well, exactly. And that's the point I'm making. So a lot of the people will have an impression of the debate based on what you say, Libby. Okay, and well. And that's critical. Well, it's based on, on, on voices that they trust. And generally, uh, the public will trust uh, a journalist uh, rather than a commentator, like, like a reporter, more than they will a political actor. Right, And that's why people had, you know, more trust in Peter Mansbridge, let us say, even though he was just an anchor uh, than, than in many politicians. So I'm just saying, when I'm asked, you know, what, do, what does a candidate have to do? Let me make a few other observations. Academic research shows that debates tend to reinforce pre-existing opinions. And the people that tend to watch the debates are more uh, politically engaged. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, in fact, I'm fairly confident that more people will be watching hockey tonight than will be watching the debates. I, I think that we could all be confident about that. Yeah, so that tells you a lot. And and so a lot of those people who will be watching hockey or something else, they may have already decided or they have a pre-existing disposition. The people that watch debates tend to be political junkies. Those people... Uh, overwhelmingly are already committed to who they're going to vote for. For example, I just heard your uh, your last caller, I just caught the tail end, Sebastian, who made some very interesting comments. He said, uh, you know, I have no idea what Ford stands for. My conclusion was one thing for sure. Sebastian is not planning to vote for Ford. And it almost doesn't matter what Ford will say tonight. He's going to vote for Win, And I'm thinking... Possibly Horvath, because he talked about her potential resurrection. Now, that's not the kind of comment you would get from a conservative caller. Okay, well, um, yeah, but um, uh, John McEdition, do you think that uh, tonight is is important? Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily see a big disconnect between the debate and the synopsis of the debate, uh, you know, assuming that we can figure out what the salient points were. John, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would agree with you, and I would agree with what the professor just said, uh, but I would add this, that uh, with social media's uh, gaining, um, those people who are watching tonight are going to really, for the first time, compared to any other election, are going to, we're, we're all players now, we're all our own little media companies. So when we go out there and say this person won or that person lost, uh, it'll resonate with the 90% of our friends that will read our social media but aren't reading newspapers anymore, aren't watching television anymore, might catch a radio show um, because of the fragmentation. So I think that there is a whole element there that's interesting uh, for the first time. The, the other thing is, um, uh, thinking about your last caller, th- there's another potential uh, outcome with his vote. And uh, the last election only had 51% turnout. And I got to tell you, Elections Canada, or sorry, Elections Ontario is spending millions of dollars to try to get more people to vote. And what could actually happen if this thing gets negative and people aren't voting for the leaders, right? That's what the research showed this morning. There's more of them voting against other leaders. 
they might actually just get disenfranchised enough that we might have the lowest turnout in the history of Ontario. Oh, um, or we might have the highest because it's a it's a knockout exactly. fight. Exactly. That's the crazy election we're into. Literally, almost any outcome. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Nick in Toronto. Uh, my board here says that Nick is pro-Ford. So, uh, Nick, let me ask you this. Is there anything that could happen tonight that could make you change your mind? Absolutely not. No, no possibility. I think tonight what's going to happen is uh, Ford's going to be seen as a level-headed candidate, and is, is in, he's going to increase his popularity. Okay, uh, well, level-headed, I mean, he'll have to perform level-headed to be seen that way. He'll be a likable guy, which people will uh, be very, very surprised and very happy with. Okay, Nick, nothing will change your mind. Thanks for that. Uh, So there you go. I I think that that reinforces what Professor Wiseman's been saying. Professor Wiseman? Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought Sean made a number of excellent points, but if I could just, uh, you know, about social media. Now, let me say something about social media, if I may, because I, I, I don't use social media. And it's true that uh, many people are influenced by their peers, by their friends. So if you're not that interested in politics, but someone you respect is, and you see that, you know, they're going to vote this way or that way, you, you're heavily influenced. But my impression is that most uh, people, their friends on social media, share the same values as the person sending out uh, the message. So a lot of it becomes an echo chamber. Moreover, uh, the number of people that get the message and actually read it is a lot smaller than the number of people who will actually watch the debate, which I've under... or or are exposed to uh, a newspaper story. And a lot of what happens on social media are simply people reposting a newspaper story or, or a clip uh, from the debate. Yeah, now, well, social media um, is often an echo chamber, um, but it is uh, increasingly influential, John. So do you think it'll play a big role? And a lot of, a lot of the campaign advertising is going to social media. Well, I think the two, this campaign more than any other, the two biggest new dynamics, well, three. We have voting machines, which is going to be interesting uh, province-wide. The second is the impact of social media. And the third is the role of millennials. Uh, I've been reading uh, nonstop about how they're the biggest voting block for the first time. But I'll be bold to make this prediction, and that's that they won't be the biggest block of voters. Uh, and and who will be the biggest either. block of voters? It will be, be our boomers. people. It'll be Zoomers. <laughs> the Zoomers, there you go. Yeah, I mean, population-wise, they might be the biggest block of voters, but they, they traditionally don't vote very much. Well, they don't participate. They don't, they're not engaged. They're still enjoying their lives and aren't connected to the political system of all the different groups. And um, Professor Wiseman, do you have anything to say about the uh, various demographics? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, older people are much more likely to vote than the youngest, as John said. But I'll make this observation. Uh, Think back to the last federal election. Uh, The Conservatives before that election uh, passed an election act, which uh, opponents claimed was going to disenfranchise all kinds of Canadians. So over 400 academics, I wasn't one of them, signed a letter, you know, because you couldn't use your voter identification card. You had to bring hard ID. 
to the polls, uh, voting was restricted. All those elements were put into place. And you know what? We had the highest increase in voter turnout between any two federal elections since Confederation. It went from 61% to 69%. Why did it go up so much? I have two theories. One is it was a change election. People wanted a change. The number that didn't change throughout that election campaign was 67 to 70% of the population wanted a change in government. What did change is at the beginning of the campaign, the NDP was in the lead. At the end of the campaign, the Liberals were. Another number that didn't change is the Conservatives' support hovered around 30% throughout the whole 2015 federal election. So the whole uh, election was a referendum on on, on the Harper government, and they're going to lose, and who's going to replace them? This election in Ontario, I think, is also a referendum on the Liberal legacy and on uh, Kathleen Wynne. And now at the beginning of the campaign, Ford and the Conservatives are the best positioned. Can the NDP reverse that? I'm skeptical that they can, but there's a, there's a, a, a you know, a far outside chance. Okay. Maybe 10%. Okay, well, let's take a call from Paul in North York. It says you're anti-win. Who are you for? Uh, hi. hi. Yes, um, I'm definitely anti-win. I have been for years and years. And now the only issue I have with, um, like, I loved Rob Ford. Doug makes me a little bit nervous, so I'm hoping that he comes out with something that actually makes me want to put his name into the box. As far as uh, you, somebody was saying, uh the uh, Zoomer people are the ones that vote. I'm, I'm usually one of the very first ones that votes. I'm out every single election, and I see older people with their walkers, with their canes, and they're always out there. Sorry, I'm a little bit emotional. <laughs> uh, they're always the first ones out there. I listen to your station all the time, and I really respect the older people's uh, opinions, and, and they're usually right on. And that's all I really have to say. Thank you. Okay. By the way, Zoomers, uh, you become a Zoomer at 45, so we don't all have walkers and canes. Uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. No, I'm I'm uh, in my mid-50s myself. Okay, But I'm just Paul. saying it's the older people that whose opinion I really respect, and that's why I listen to your station. Okay. Thanks a lot, Paul. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, we have to wrap this up. Uh, John McCutishan, uh, very quickly, what would you like to leave us with for tonight? Um, I think it's always important to remember that democracy is precious, and whether you like someone or dislike them, whatever your motivation is, participate in the process so you've earned your right to complain for the next four years. Okay. And Professor Wiseman, quickly, too. The big thing is, if Doug Ford doesn't put his foot in his mouth, I think they're very well positioned to win. The other big thing is if Andrea Horvath can um, erase her profile and make it look like it's just Ford and Wynn squabbling, that'll position her well. Okay. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to be talking to a representative of the Nurses Association. They want health care to become a big issue. They are worried about staffing. Um, are they going to be able to make their point heard in the midst of all of this? Uh, we'll be talking to Doris Greenspun when we return. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.